0: This week, um, as I was pre- preparing for today, I was thinking about excellence. I was thinking about what is excellent. And, uh, you know, I think about, like, I always wanted to be excellent. And there's some things, like, I couldn't care less about being excellent at, right? Like, um, baking cookies, I don't care if I'm excellent at that. Washing windows, I don't care if I'm excellent at that. Um, playing the trombone, couldn't care less if I was excellent at that. All of those things are things that I've done in the past I don't care about being excellent at those. I like eating cookies, and I'm very excellent at that. But baking cookies, not so much. But then there's other things that um, I really wanted, like they were really important to me, and they were things that I longed for and strived to be excellent at. So these are things like playing basketball, like I wanted to be a really good, which for my height, you know, it's, it's pro- appropriate for me, right, to be a really good basketball player. But I want to be a really good basketball player or a tennis player or, or be really good at math or like have a beautiful head of hair, right? Like those are things that are all like really important to me. I think we got a picture of, I actually have a picture of my greatest hair day ever, I'm not kidding. I'm the guy on the right with the glasses. But I woke up that morning. I had the most voluptuous mullet that you could ever imagine. And I woke up that morning. I was on vacation. I took a shower. And my hair just did exactly what I wanted. And I got a picture of it. I remember. I miss those days, I'll be honest with you. But I think I wanted to be known. Like, I wanted to be excellent at these things. I wanted to be known as somebody who was, who was athletic. I wanted to be somebody who was smart. I wanted to be somebody that was good-looking. I remember dreaming about playing in the NBA, like I wanted to play in the NBA so badly, it never happened. Obviously, right? But like these are things that are really important to me. I long to be excellent, and I remember not doing some things because I wasn't sure if I was going to be excellent at them. So like I remember going to school dances or parties and uh, sitting on the sidelines and not dancing because I didn't know if I was going to be a good dancer or not. And I didn't want to embarrass myself. Today I dance all the time, and I don't worry about embarrassing myself or my wife. Right, yeah. But I remember not doing things because I didn't want. I didn't know if I was going to be good at them. I didn't know if I was going to be excellent at them. So here's a question for you: What do you long to be excellent at? I think about it in your own life. What do you long to be excellent at? Like it's gets interesting. It, it, I don't know if you experience this too. As I got, as I've gotten older, I think I think about excellence differently than when I was a kid. You know, like when you're a kid. Maybe you dream about it a little bit more. You know, your future's all ahead of you. And you think, I could be really good at this or I could be really good at that. Like, what do you, you want to be excellent at? And here's, a, here's another question for you, maybe a better question for you. Why do you want to be excellent at blank? You fill in the blank. What do you want to be excellent at? But why do you want to be excellent at that thing? Like, what's your motivation? What, what are you looking for in that excellence? Why is that important to you? Well, tonight we're going to continue on in our Epicenter series, and we're going to finish up our discussion on our values, actually. So we have another week of the series where we're going to talk about something else, but tonight we're going to finish up on the values, and we have two values left, and so we're going to cover both of those values tonight. Uh, We're going to spend more time on the first one and much less time on the second one. Um, They're very closely connected, in my opinion. By the way, um, we do have our sermon, so our website, our Barberton Campus website is up and going. Uh, I think it's mostly accurate, it's pretty accurate with the information that we've got on it. Um, And we do have the sermons up there from the previous weeks in the series. And so if you missed one, um, go check it out. You can follow up. I'm not going to go back. We're we're six of them in, so I'm not going to go back and kind of rehash those right now. But basically what we've been saying in this series is that the gospel is like the epicenter in our lives. Right, and so the epicenter of an earthquake is the center part of an earthquake. It's the center of a disturbance, and in that center, it sends out shock waves in every direction. And those shock waves affect everything that they come in contact with. Right, and so he said the gospel is like the epicenter of a disturbance. Sometimes, for many of us, a violent disturbance that sends out shock waves that affect every single part of my life. And so we've talked about how the gospel affects us in lots of different ways over these past few weeks. And we've talked about how it affects us in very personal, kind of private, individual ways, but then also how it affects us in very corporate and collective ways as part of the church. And so in the series, we've been talking about, like, why we do the things that we do and why we don't do some of the things that we don't do. And so tonight, we're going to look at our last two values. And this first one that we're going to look at is actually driven by this idea of excellence. And here's what it says. We do our best with everything we have. We're committed to excellence and effectiveness for the gospel. We will maximize every resource to focus our creativity and our efforts on the ministry that makes the most impact. We do our best with everything that we have. We're committed to excellence. What does that mean? Like, not commitment. I know what commitment means. But what does excellence mean? You ever thought about that? Like, what, Like what is excellent? I do a little teaching at uh, Malone University, and I had a class, and one time we were talking, one of the sessions, we were talking about, like, what we're good at, and, like, where we're gifted, where we're skilled, and I remember in one of these sessions, one of the students said something really interesting. He said, um, well, no one's an A at everything, but everybody's an A at something. No one's an A at everything, but everybody's an A at something. And when he first said it, I thought, well, that's, a, that's like a catchy little statement. That's kind of a pity little phrase, you know? Like, it's interesting. I think I could, I could, think I could use that in the sermon sometime, right? Like, that's, that's actually what I was thinking. But then I started to, to think about it a little more. Like, this is the kind of thing that you hear at schools a lot. We're in a school right now. You hear this at schools a lot. Like, everyone's great at something. You just have to find what that something is and then go pursue it, right? Or if you just try really hard, you can do anything, You know, try really hard and you can be great at whatever you put your mind to. When the student said that, I said, do you really believe that? I said, do you you really believe that everyone is excellent at something? That's what A stands for, right? A stands for excellent, B stands for above average, C stands for average, right? I said, do you really think... Everybody's an A or excellent at something, and we just need to kind of find out what our something is and then go pursue it. I looked it up. Here's what excellent means. It means superior, outstanding, brilliant, exceptional, first class. That's what excellent means. Do you think, as an honest question. Think about this. Do you think that everybody is superior, outstanding, brilliant, exceptional, first-class at something? Or how about this? Do you think that they're all of those things at something that's, like, valuable to our world, like something that's important? Like, who cares if you're exceptional at blowing your nose? Like, that doesn't make a bit of a difference, right? It doesn't affect anybody but me, right? Do you think that everybody is exceptional, is excellent at something that has value to the world? Well, here's, here's my problem with that. And this is, this is God's honest truth And it took me a long time to be okay with this. And I don't say this to try to, um, uh, I don't know, solicit some positive feedback from you guys or or anything like that. This is the God's honest truth. I don't think I'm excellent at anything. Like, I, I really don't think that I'm excellent at anything, nothing. Like, I liked it in school if I would get an A in something but I don't really think I'm an A, like I'm an excellent in anything, at least nothing of value. And don't get me wrong, maybe some of you are. Like I I think some people are excellent at some things. Like LeBron James is an excellent basketball player, right? Like that dude is excellent. He is exceptional. He is first class. He's brilliant, right? Like I think Donald Trump is probably an excellent businessman. I don't know if he's the most ethical businessman, but that dude has a knack for making money, right? Carrie Underwood is an excellent singer. Chuck Norris is excellent at being awesome. Amen? Can I get an amen? All right. And maybe, maybe, maybe you're... Ge- that made no sense if you weren't here last week or two weeks ago. And maybe you're genuinely excellent at something, too. Like, maybe, maybe you are brilliant. You're, you're exceptional. You're outstanding. You're first class at something. And if you are, that's awesome. You should pursue it. That's awesome. But, guys, I would argue that I don't think most people are. And it's okay. It's okay. That's fine. I'm not. In class that day when he said that, he said, you know, nobody's an A at everything, but everybody's an A at something. And I said, do you believe that? And we talked about it, and I said, I don't don't think I'm an A at anything. I, I think there's probably a couple things that I'm a strong B, but I don't, if I'm honest, like if I'm honest with myself, I don't think I'm an A at anything. And maybe you feel that way too. And maybe, maybe if you're honest with yourself, right, and, and, and you're not trying to impress people and get yourself to believe something, then maybe you feel that way too. Like, I don't, I don't know if I'm exceptional at anything. I don't know if I'm outstanding at anything. And maybe you see a value like this, you know, like we're, we're, we're going to do our best with everything we have. We're committed to excellence. We're committed to effectiveness. Maybe you look at that and you think, oh, doggone it. Here it is again. They're committed to excellence, and I'm not excellent at anything. So what do I have to offer? Like, what what do I really have to bring to the table? I'm just going to get overlooked again. I'm not going to have anything of value to offer and to bring. Well, if that's you tonight, like it is me, then I want you to keep listening, because you might experience some freedom tonight, because I'm right there with you. And, And excellent people, the good news is that excellent people is actually not what we're looking for. Like, if you're excellent, we're glad that you're here, and we want you to use your gifts. Don't hear me wrong there. But excellent people is not what we're looking for. We don't, we don't push them away, but what we're looking for, what we're seeking, is, is, is something different. It's not people that are finished products and excellent. What we're looking for is people that strive for excellence, right? People, and there's a big difference here, guys. People that strive for excellence, and they do their best with everything that they have, and they do it for the right reasons, That's what we're looking for. And that is very different than just looking for a bunch of excellent people. Because this, striving for excellence, doing my best, doing it for the right reasons, that is a possibility for each of us in this room right now. Whether you are excellent at something or not, this is a possibility for each of us in this room right now. So I want you to grab your Bibles. Pull out your Bibles. And I want you to open them, We're gonna, I, I want to read a couple other verses, but I'll, we'll, we'll put those on the screen. I want you to open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation is the very last book in your Bible. Revelation chapter 5. As you're flipping there, I want to I show you a couple of other passages. The very, one of the very first passages, I don't think it was the first, but one of the very first passages that I memorized uh, is in 1 Corinthians. It's 1 Corinthians 10.31. And uh, this is what it says. I, 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 it just stuck out to me. I really like this passage. And so we've spent a little bit of time over the past few weeks in 2 Corinthians. And so we know that Paul founded this church, and he knew them very well. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 10.31, this is what it says. Put it up on screen. It says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And Paul's talking here, the context is he's talking about food that was potentially sacrificed to an idol. And he's talking about our freedom as followers of Jesus to basically eat whatever's put before us as long as we eat and do whatever we do for God's glory. So he's talking about the freedom that we have here, right? A little bit uh, later in the Bible, in your Bible, in Colossians, another church that Paul was closely connected to, he writes a letter to. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul says something very similar. He says, and whatever you do, so this is 317, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So Paul says a very similar thing here. Like, whatever you do, whatever it is, do it all in the name and under the authority of Christ, giving it with thankfulness. To the Father, basically for the glory of the Father and the Son. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of the Father and the Son. So I have a question for you. Why would we, as followers of Jesus, feel it's so important for us to do our very, very best with everything that we have and strive for excellence? Why do we feel like that's so important for us? Well, the answer is in these verses. The answer is we're doing it for God's glory. Like why is it so important for us to do our best and strive to excellence? Well, we're doing it for God's glory, we're not doing it for ourselves, for our glory. We're doing it for God's glory, for God's renown. And I want you to think about that. Like Think about it in a, in a very personal way. Like, I'm doing things for God's glory. Think about that a personal way and a public way. Personal way first. It changes my motivation. Like, it changes my perspective on things when, I, when I'm looking at doing those things primarily for God's glory. We talked about this a little bit last week when we were talking about generosity. Like, we can be generous for really bad and selfish reasons, right? Like, I could give away for selfish reasons, for bad reasons. And it's the same thing with excellence. I can pursue excellence. I can strive for excellence for rotten reasons <clears throat> like pride, like personal glory, vanity, right? Like I can do, I can strive for excellence so that I receive the glory on things. If I am consciously working out my gratefulness to the Lord for what He's done for me, and I'm working out for His glory, you know what's gonna happen? I'm going to work really hard and I'm going to strive for excellence. Like if I'm consciously recognizing what God has done for me and I'm responding out of thankfulness for that and I'm thinking I want to do things for his glory, for him, the God of the universe, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to work really hard and I'm going to strive for excellence. I'm going to do my best with everything I have, and I'm going to strive for excellence. It changes my perspective when I think about doing things, like internally, inside of me, when I think about doing things for him and for his glory. Think about it in a public way. We reflect him, right? We talked about that week one. We talked about we live to make Jesus make sense. We're his ambassadors, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are called his ambassador, his representative here on earth. We reflect him. My life makes an impact on other people, whether we know it or not. In our men's group, we actually talked about that this morning. We had a couple uh, baseball coaches in our men's group, and we talked about that, how, how students, uh, baseball players was our example, they act like they're coaches. They just do. They see their coaches do things, and then they do things. Kids act like their parents. They see their parents do things, and they do things. Students, kids act like other students. They see their friends do things, and they do things, right? Like our lives are always making an impression on other people. And so if we're doing things for God's glory, maybe people will look at our lives and say, man, that guy's kind of different. Like in a good way, he's kind of different. I wonder what makes him that way. And they find out that we're followers of Jesus, and they go, maybe there's something to this God thing, right? We do our best for God's glory. And think about this. Why is that so important to us? Why would we do that? Why would we work so hard for God's glory and for God's name? Well, I want to look at Revelation chapter 5. Because I think this answers the question for us. And I think it's going to really challenge you. I, I, I really challenge you to like let your imagination go. Because we're going to read a passage in Revelation. Uh, In Revelation, that's um, a beautiful glimpse into heaven, into what heaven will be like one day. So, in this passage, we get a glimpse of that. The Book of Revelation is a really symbolic book. It's got, it's it's very figurative in its language and its meaning. And so, we got to be careful that we're not confused and, and that we get a little lost. Okay, like I get that. I can see it can be a confusing book. But as I read this, I don't want you to get caught up in the weeds. Okay, I want you to focus on the Lamb. That John's talking about. John is the writer of Revelation. The apostle John is the writer of the book of Revelation. And in there, he talks about a lamb. And I want you to focus on this lamb because this lamb, the lamb, of course, is another name for Jesus. And when John writes this book, when he's writing this passage, he's talking about a scroll. And Without getting into too much detail uh, right now, here's what you need to know. It's a scroll that is so important It's so sacred. It's so important. And yet it seems that nobody on heaven or on earth or under the earth is worthy of opening this scroll. It's so important, but no one can open it. And so John hears that and he just, the text says he just weeps. He just weeps and weeps and weeps up until verse five, when one of the elders of heaven has an announcement to make. Look at it. Revelation chapter five, verse five. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has triumphed. That's another name for Jesus, too. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns, which signifies its power, and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent to all the earth. He sees everything he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne and when he had taken it the four living creatures and the 24 elders they fell down before the lamb each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of God's people of us and they sang a new song saying you are worthy You're worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Verse 13. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Wow. 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 It gets me so excited. Like imagine what that would have been like to be there. Like imagine if you were like right there next to John as he sees these things. It, it, it seems hopeless, right? No one can open this really important, the sacred seal. No one can open it. And all of a sudden walks in the powerful lamb of God, Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He walks in and as soon as he comes in, everyone just worships him. Why would we do our best for God's glory? Like, why do we do that? Why would we work so hard for his glory and for his name? Why do we do it? Because he's worthy. Because he's worthy of that. He's worthy of us working hard. He's worthy of us doing our best. He's the creator and the sustainer of everything that is. From the vastness of the universe. I saw a video this week of like, talking about how, like, even how tiny our Milky Way is, which there's lots of stars and planets in the Milky Way, like, I don't even know, millions of them, huge number of them, and how tiny the Milky Way is compared to the vastness of the universe. Compare that to the, like, the, the minuteness of, of quarks. When I was in school, the smallest thing were atoms. Now they know about quarks. I said something after, after the first service, somebody said, there's something smaller than quarks. I don't even know what that is. But imagine the vastness. He created everything. Listen, he thought of everything. I used to love Van Halen. I used to love Van Halen. Like they, they were my jam, man. I love Van Halen. You know what's amazing about Eddie Van Halen, the guitarist? He's an incredible guitar player, but you know what's so amazing about him? He thought up how to do everything. He was like the pioneer, right? Like he thought how to do these incredible things on the guitar, God thought all of this stuff up. He created it and he keeps it going. He is so much greater than us that when anyone is actually in his presence, the only response is worship. It's worship. People collapse in front of him. Why? Because he's worthy. Just let that sink in for a second. Just just think about how worthy and great and holy and righteous and good he is. And here's what I want you to do. Allow yourself to think about how you're not. We're not those things. We're not perfect. We sin. We're selfish sometimes. We struggle. He's worthy. Guys, this this idea of God's worthiness and, and our sinfulness, our unworthiness, I think, and you can tell me if you agree with me, I think we miss this a lot today. And it very easily gets twisted. And it's so incredibly important for us to understand if we're going to capture what the gospel is, what the good news is, we've got to get God's worthiness and our unworthiness. I read an article this week um, that made me mad. <laughs> like When I first read it, I was like, Argh. I was mad. I was frustrated. And I thought about it a little bit more, and I got sad. And I thought about it a little bit more, and I thought, I want to do my best to help people not have this guy's perspective that wrote this article. And I want to read you a little bit of the article. Basically, he writes this article um, because he's, I would say, rightly frustrated, rightly frustrated with some of the leaders in Christianity that he sees on TV. You know, these guys who who raise all of this money. He was talking about one guy in specific who raise all this money from people who don't have that much money for ministry purposes when this Christian leader is living, like, incredibly extravagantly, okay? So this guy's writing this article in response to that, and he's angry, and he starts off from a premise of, um, so he's not a believer. He doesn't, he doesn't believe in God, period. So he, starts, he writes this from an atheistic perspective. But this is what he says, and I want to I just read you an excerpt from this article, and it may bother you too, but I want to read it anyway. The Bible is promoted as the loving word of God, yet it's filled with murder, hate, intolerance, inhuman slaughter, slavery, torture, homophobia, and discrimination. The Bible is a bully book. It demands that you follow the author's barbaric laws of life and living or burn in hell. If you decide to submit to the bully, referring to God, he rewards you with everlasting life. If not, you burn in hell. It's pretty straightforward. It's no different than the bully at school who steals your money and promises you protection or the mobsters who threaten to vandalize your store unless you pay him part of the profits. The Bible is a much bigger bully than both because at least the school bully and the street thug don't require that you worship them as they terrorize you. The beast that that wrote the Bible, the authors, the beasts that wrote the Bible command you to fall to your knees and proclaim your love and devotion to a God, lowercase g, that will gladly slaughter you if you don't. It's sick and perverse. But you won't hear much of that on Sunday morning. We talk about it on Saturday night, but you won't hear much of that on Sunday morning. Religious leaders prefer to focus on the loving side of the Bible. He goes on. I skipped a little bit there. He says, isn't it time we started thinking for ourselves? Isn't it time we started taking responsibility for our lives and stopped relying on a supernatural savior? Isn't it time we started using critical thinking and questioning all this nonsense and delusion coming from the church? I'll stop there. There's more to it, but I'll stop there. It's kind of hard to listen to, isn't it? And, and there's lots of things that we could say, right? Like lots of things in there that, that I think we would disagree with. But you know what strikes me so hard from that? Like what, what really hits me from that is this gentleman has, has no comprehension of the difference between God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and his divinity, and his utter worthiness, and us, and our not divinity, our human, our humanness and utter unworthiness. See, I kind of agree with him. If I have the same starting point that he has, I kind of agree with him. If we're the pinnacle, if we're the center of the universe, if we're the most important, powerful, worthy beings in existence, if that's true, then who's going to tell me I need to follow somebody else? Like, who's going to bully me into that? Who's going to tell me that i got to follow somebody else's rules and laws? Who's going to tell me that i got to worship somebody else? Who's going to tell me the way that i got to live, right? I'm strong. I'm in charge. I'm the one who's in control. I'm the master of my own fate. I'm not weak. I'm not going to be bullied. If that's our starting point, if that's, if that's where we start, that we are the ones who are worthy, I could see this guy's perspective. I could see his frustration with this idea of God and what the Bible teaches about him. But see, each of us has to make a decision, right? Each of us has to make a decision. If we agree with this author and his assumptions, his first assumption that there is no God, right? And that we are the most important ones. We're the center of the universe. We are the ones who are in charge. We're masters of our own fate. And we are the ones who are worthy. That's his perspective. We have to make the decision. Do we agree with that? Or that God is real? And what the Bible teaches about him is true. And what my heart and my experiences show me, have taught me, are accurate. See, I don't know about you. I don't feel like I'm the one who's in control. Some, sometimes I do. But I don't feel like I'm the one who's got control of things. I don't feel like I'm very powerful. Many times I don't feel like I'm very honorable. I don't feel like I'm always good. I don't feel like I'm righteous. I don't feel like I'm perfect. And yet I know that all of those things are good and all of those things are right. Like honor is good. Righteousness is good. Perfection is good. And so if I don't feel like any of those things and there's one who has shown himself, revealed himself throughout history that he is those things and my heart and my experiences show me that this one is real and he's working in my life and he's working in other people's lives, then all of a sudden I better stop and I better take a step back, right? And I better give this one who is worthy what he's due. If I'm not the one who's worthy and he has shown himself to be worthy and powerful, the creator, the sustainer of everything, when I recognize I'm not the one, I better take a step back and I better give him what he's due and I better do it in the way that he says, even if I don't understand it. See, I believe, and, and the Bible teaches, that there's one and there's only one who is worthy of glory and honor and praise. And it's not us. I believe that there's one who's greater, and it's not us. I believe that there's one who's holy, and it's not us. I believe that there's one who is truly excellent. Truly excellent. And guess what, guys? It's, it's not us. It's not us. And here's the thing that, that like absolutely like blows my mind. This one who is so far beyond us, so completely worthy of nothing but our worship, our honor, and our praise, instead of immediately damning us for our unworthiness and our sinfulness and our selfishness and our arrogance, instead of immediately going, you're done, you're terrible, Pff, you're done. Instead of doing that, he, he offers to rescue us. He has every right to do what this author says and just slaughter us. We deserve it. He is holy and righteous and good, and we're none of those things, right? And instead of going, you're done, he reaches down. He says, grab hold. I'll I'll rescue you. If you grab hold, I'll rescue you. And instead, he goes in our place. Still got to be paid for, right? Still got to be paid for what we've done with our lives, And so he comes down, he becomes one of us, and he takes our place. He's tortured and beaten and taunted and spit on the creator of the vastness of the universe to the little quarks. He becomes one of us, spit on, taunted, and he takes our punishment. That blows my mind. It blows my mind. He's worthy And because he's worthy, we as his followers, we do our best. We do our best with everything that he's entrusted to us. See, I said before that I think very few of us are actually excellent at anything. Some of you are, but very few of us I think are. But that's okay because my worth isn't found in what I'm excellent at. My worth is not found in how excellent I am at anything. That's not why I get my value. That's not where I have my worth. My worth is found in my excellent God who is worthy of glory and honor and praise. I don't have to be excellent, which is liberating to me. It's like a weight off of my back. I don't have to be the excellent one. He's excellent, and I'm with Him. And He's created me to be exactly how and who He wants me to be. I'm His. And so I do my best with everything that the excellent one has given me. And that means striving towards excellence because he is excellent. And I want people to see his excellence through me. Like with all my heart, I, I know you guys feel this way too. With all my heart, I want people to look at me and I don't want people to say, man, that Jeff is a pretty good dude. I don't care. I don't want people to say that. I want people to look at me and go, man, that God that he worships must be something. I want people to look at me and praise God for who he is and for what he's done. See, our message that we have is is so important. The gospel is so important. The God of the universe is so important. It's too important for good enough. We seek excellence. We don't seek good enough. You know what I mean by that? One thing we say around here is good enough is not good enough. Good enough is not good enough. You know what I mean by that? Like, like, eh, that's fine. It's, a, it's enough to get by. It's all right. See, God's, God's not a God of fine. God's a God of excellence. May we never be people who say it's just good enough, not when we're representing Jesus, not when we're trying to help make Jesus make sense to a culture that is confused about him and who he is. We do our best with everything that we have, and we do it for God's glory, and we do it because he's worthy, and we don't do it alone. It's beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. We don't do it alone. We are like a tiny, tiny little part of the kingdom of God. It is so much bigger than what we do here at Grace Church. And that actually leads us to our last value. And I'll be quick here, and then we're done. Here's our our last value. It's about how we partner with others. And here's what it says. We actively seek ministry partnerships. We work purposefully to maximize impact for God's kingdom through strategic partners. Grace Church cannot go it alone. And we will leverage strengths of diverse organizations and churches to pursue the movement to which God has called us. That's kind of a a wordy one there. But you get the idea. We don't do it alone. You know, one of the the, uh, bad things about being a part of a big church is sometimes people make assumptions about the church. Or make assumptions about about us and why we do things. And like maybe we're all kind of out to do it for our glory. So people say, man, that Grace Church is an incredible place, right? And they assume maybe that, that we're doing things out of selfishness and arrogance and we'll just like step on anybody that gets in our way. Sometimes people make that assumption. You should know that. Some of you have talked to me about that. Sometimes people just assume that we must be doing something wrong to attract people, to bring people in. And guys, I think you know this, but I'm going to say it anyway. That could not be further from the truth. That could not be further from the truth. Like We are, we are a tiny, tiny, tiny part of the kingdom of God. And we make so many mistakes. We didn't have monitors last week, right? We make mistakes all the time. And we don't think that we're the only church or we got it all together. And we love, we love other churches and organizations that are doing um, their best, striving for excellence that God is using to grow his kingdom. And when we see that, our response is we want to celebrate with them. And And we want to encourage them. And we want to help support them through sending volunteers to them or sending money to them or both. And just like no one does everything well, no church does everything well, right? Like, none of us is an A at everything, right? No church is an A at everything either. And I really believe that God raises up other Christian organizations to help fill needs that if the church tried to do, it would struggle, right? But these organizations, I believe God raises up so that they could do these things with excellence and we could support them and we could encourage them. So we don't try to do everything, we don't, we don't, we don't, because we would struggle at it. But we love organizations like Haven Arrest, for example, in Akron. The homeless shelter in Akron that does so much more than that for the kingdom of God. We love places like Rahab Ministries. You know about Rahab Ministries? They're incredible organizations that help, that help women that are trapped in the struggle of prostitution and drugs. They go on the streets and they help them. It's beautiful. We love organizations like First Glance and The Garage at first Glance in Kenmore in the garage in Wadsworth that are doing everything they can to help students, to help youth understand who Jesus is and how valuable and important they are to him. And there's lots of others. You know, places like South Street Ministries. We love that place. Barberton Area Community Ministries, Backham and how they feed uh, the hungry in Barberton and the Norton area. We love that. At Pregnancy Solutions Center, Common Threads. Like all of these are places that we go, man, they're doing some good stuff. And we want to help support that. And we want to send volunteers over there. We say, they do it better than we could. And so we send volunteers over there, and we send money over there, and we say, let's work together. We're all on the same team for the kingdom of God. And I want to say this, too. There's other churches in Barberton that we love, and in the greater Akron area that we love, and we support, and we believe in their ministries. And these are churches that are different denominations, (gasps) that have some different beliefs than us, (gasps) Practice things a little bit different. Oh no, heaven forbid. Different values. It's okay. If they have the same core beliefs about who God, like the same core theological beliefs about who God is, who Jesus is, our views of the Bible, the importance of the Bible, and they're doing something for the kingdom, we'll jump on board with them and we'll send people to help. Like that's, that's, that's what we value. There's different flavors of, uh, of church that, that meet different people. Like Grace Church is not for everybody. We readily admit that. There's other churches doing wonderful things too. And in some great churches in Barberton. In fact, this, this week on Thursday, we'll get together uh, with some other pastors from Barberton churches. And we just get together and we pray. We just pray. And we hear what's going on in each other's churches. And we encourage each other. We're all on the same team right we're all pushing in the same direction we're all part of the kingdom of god and see here's the thing like one day we're going to get to know him right in heaven why not get to know him a little bit now serve together and what difference do you think that makes to the community when the community sees that what kind of impression and what kind of impression do you think it makes to the community when they see churches that don't get along with each other and don't like each other and talk badly about each other. We won't do that. So I want to challenge you. Like we, we seek excellence. We strive for excellence. We're not looking for excellent, perfect people. That's not what we're doing. We're looking for people that are striving toward excellence, that are doing their best with everything they have, and they're doing it for the right reasons. And we're part, we are a small part of a much, much broader, bigger community of people that are doing that and we get to do it together with them and that's a privilege and as I look around here guys like we're so different I love it I love it we've been praying for diversity and differences we're so different and each of us are needed we have different gifts and skills and passions which is experiences which is so cool and you are needed to make an impact to make an impression for the gospel right in the community that we're at and God will use you as you strive to hear his calling, right, to hear what he's calling you toward, you strive for excellence, and you do your best with everything you have, and you've got a whole bunch of people who are right alongside of you doing it with you. So God, I pray that uh, you would help us to do just that. Lord, what, what an incredible privilege and we get a chance to know you. You, you are so much bigger than we could ever imagine, the vastness And the minutia of your creation, you thought it up, you created it, and you keep it going. We're just discovering little bits and pieces, Lord. And you know our name, and you love us. You know how rotten we've been in the past, and you love us. And you have plans for us, and you rescue us if we allow you to. God, may we be people who chase after you and allow you to rescue us. And in response, God, may we be people who look to strive to excellence because you're excellent, that do our best with everything we have because you're excellent. And may we do it for your glory and for your renown because you are worthy. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for loving us. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen.